0: On today's episode of the Training Peaks Coachcast, your source for the latest information about the art, science, and business of coaching. On this episode of the Training Peaks Coachcast, I sit down with the Training Peaks WKO4 product leader, Tim Cusick, to discuss how you can use data to coach more effectively. Tim gives his tips about developing a process, what to look for, and how to avoid data overload. Enjoy. Welcome to the Training Peaks Coachcast. I'm your host, Dave Shell, and today we are joined by Tim Cusick. Tim is the WKO4 product leader here at Training Peaks. Tim, thanks for joining us today.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Dave. I really appreciate it.
0: For our listeners who may not be familiar with WKO, can you please give us a quick description of what it is and how it differs from the online Training Peaks that they might be more familiar with?
1: Uh, TrainingPeaks WKL4 is actually an analytics engine. It's an extension of TrainingPeaks.com. So one of the ways I like to describe it is you get excellent uh, base level analysis of data at the TrainingPeaks.com level. So you can look at what you've done and and some of the cause and effect of training and some of the basic information in there. You have an excellent PMC and calendar and all those analysis on the TrainingPeaks.com online. When your education has advanced as a coach and you're ready to get deeper into analytics, trying to think about the why things occurred or or predicting occurrences and stuff like that, WKL-4 is an analytics engine that allows you to go in there and do a deeper dive into the data. You know, when you say deeper dive into the data, really the goal of WKL-4 is to continue to help improve the effectiveness of your coaching. So it's an analytical tool really targeted at improving your use of data to improve your coaching.
0: One reason I wanted to have you on today is that you've already created a really popular online course, um, the Training Peaks Power Certification, and you're currently working on another course that is a follow-up to that, which is going to take those ideas established and really take them to the next level. And so I wanted to have you on so you could tell us a little bit more about how data and technology, as you just said, could enhance somebody's coaching. So, before we get into that, can you just give us a quick history of data and technology and sport up to now?
1: Sure. I can keep that actually uh, short and simple, even though it's a long answer. We used to have a little bit, now we have a whole lot, right? <laughs> That really is the challenge of data, and we're going to end up talking about it a couple of different ways today, but it really is like a hockey stick chart. Like over years, okay, you always had distance. If you go all the way back to the kind of Greek Olympic thing and running of a marathon, we always had this distance data, point A to point B. But eventually, as we began to tell time, we had distance and time. And then reality, eventually we got to, and there's always some things in between, but eventually we got to a heart rate monitor. And now we really started with the heart rate monitor. Let's call it the the modern data age. We started looking at the physiology of the performing athlete. Uh, Since the heart rate data, the biggest introduction, probably still the biggest introduction today was the power meter and different versions of a power meter. Then you're in, you know, the last five years, you have literally had an explosion of data. You've had the hockey stick turn up in the chart, and suddenly coaches and athletes are dealing with just you know, physiological data, performing data, uh, oxygen metrics, muscle metrics, position in space metrics, sleep metrics, heart metrics, you know, you have all this data that's out there swirling around. So we had this very slow growth of data over, let's call it 100 years, you know, hundreds of years, if you go all the way back to distance, to where in the last five years, we really have had a a significant explosion in that data.
0: So I know, like, I've worked with a lot of coaches here at Training Peaks, and you can kind of come across to all types of coaches, and some of them are what we might call old school coaches or um, the artist, even with athletes. I've talked to some pro athletes who, they don't believe in the data, they just, it's an art and they listen to their body, things like that. And so I would ask you, is data important to coaching? And if so, why?
1: Absolutely. And as a coach, I you know, I, I coach some of those athletes or have coached some of those athletes. I tend to uh, convert them as best I can. But the reality is, right, it comes down to this statement. When you think about data, right, you're talking about data science. So you're talking about this idea that you have a bunch of data and you're applying it to science. And one way of looking at it, that's the art, right? So it's always a blend of art and science. But so we think about data as a data science. The reality is data gives us what I call a decision science, So the key role of data is to help guide, not totally replace, but to help guide the decision-making process on the coach. And that is a diagnostic decision science, meaning I'm looking at the athlete, I'm trying to diagnose, you know, what's wrong and what's right. Diagnostic is not just negative. It is a planning decision science. What does this athlete need and what do they not need, right? It is a performance decision science. Under what circumstances does this athlete perform better or worse under heat, environment, fatigue? You know, it can be all types of different things. Um, So really those three things combine to be what I call, it's not a data science, it's a decision science. The decision science is where the science, right, meets the art. The coach needs some experience. They need to know how to read and utilize that data. Underneath that, you have two things. One, it also removes bias. One of the things I see out of coaches is they have a preconceived idea of coaching in their head. They were a former pro or or they had some bit of learning that said, this is the way you do it. The reality is data often will remove biases. Every athlete you coach is unique and different, and you need to approach them uniquely and differently. Sure, there's some patterns, but you need to individualize that coaching. And then finally, in data, right, and why it's so important to coaching, it makes the athlete's story come to life, which is an odd thing to say about data, right? But data is a language, and you can use that language to tell a story. If I say my athlete went really hard, nobody listening understands. If I said my athlete went 300 watts for an hour and 30 minutes, you would say, wow, that's probably pretty hard, you know, and he weighs, I don't know, say, 150 pounds. You could quantify that. You could tell a story with your athlete, and that improves coaching because you're telling that athlete's story. So at the end of the day, improving your coaching with data is about transitioning it from a data science to a decision science.
0: It certainly sounds like it's important for a coach to use data, but I want to go back to um, something you said in the opening, and you talked about that hockey stick and how Over the last several years that the data and kind of the channels available to an athlete and a coach have just exploded. And I feel like something's popping up new every day. When we talk about data overload, what are some things that coaches should do to make sure that they're listening to the important metrics and not getting overloaded by that data?
1: Well, so, okay, that's a great question because you really have to start with the end result in mind, right? Because it's very easy to get lost. We have so much data. So technology always outpaces use. So if you think about the way technology cycles run, we tend to invent the technology to do something, and then we follow up behind it once we have that technology and say, oh, gee, what do we exactly do with it? Don't get me wrong, you have an <laughs> idea of it, right? Then you're running behind it and say, how do we use that? We are definitively in one of those cycles right now. As you said, you're seeing something new every day, and you're not even sure. The core of all that success, right, is it has to give you what I call actionable intelligence and if it's data for the sake of data if it isn't telling you something that's impacting the way you analyze plan or train or track with an athlete it's probably not actionable data and and that's where you just pick up data clutter so you have to look as a coach at all these different data formats that are coming and actually how to blend them together but in the end of the day if that doesn't produce actionable intelligence to you, like if you can't react to that, if it's not changing the way you're coaching an athlete, you need to move it off to the side until it does, or maybe, it, and maybe it never does. Because if it's not actionable, it's just clutter. It's got to be something that fits within your process and is actionable. To me, that's the core measurement of measuring data, right? If it meets that standard, it's usable. If it doesn't meet that standard, it's clutter. I move it off to the side.
0: Right. And I, I think that's a really important point. And I know that I've been guilty of that where sometimes I find myself measuring something and I have to kind of take a step back and think, OK, just because I can measure it, should I be measuring measuring it? Does it give me anything to work off of or can I do anything to improve this? I love that actionable intelligence and decision science are some buzzwords there that I would take out of this.
1: Yeah. And you know what, Dave? One addition to that. Don't believe when you see a correlation in data, it's causality. Right. So the way people often mistake actionable data or end up with that, it's like, oh, that looks like you know there's a relationship there, and we immediately assume causality. Part of that actionable intelligence is make sure it truly is actionable intelligence and not just random chance, not just coincidence.
0: And and so, what are some steps that they could take to either verify or dispute if they are seeing those things that are correlated? How can you confirm that yes, it is causation or it's just chance?
1: Oh, wow, that's a really good cra- question. So I have this statement. Think about how data can enhance coaching and performance, right? So you have to go again back to this thing I said earlier. Data will make you a better coach because it enhances your coaching and performance through decision science, through decision uh, support. Why is that so important? You have this overarching theme when you're using data, and that is you're collecting data from a performing athlete. So let's say you're the athlete, right, Dave, and, and I'm coaching you as an example. I'm collecting data from you performing, right? and then i'm utilizing that data to learn about your physiology and your physiological response to such training and then i learn that information from your that watching that physiology and physiological response right i use that information to better specifically train you through specificity and individualization and if you think about what i just said and i would encourage everybody to absorb what I just said. I'm collecting data from the performing athlete to better understand their physiology and their physiological response to training. Then I'm using such data to improve the training efficacy via specificity and individualization. Write all that down really quick, right? Because it's a cycle, it's an iterative cycle, right? Meaning, it looks right the first time around. I begin to see correlation of data. Look, if I do and, and implement this type of training stimuli to Dave, Dave starts to improve in this format. His some place in his physiology, some power output, something's getting better. Hopefully, something I want to get better. But right, that's improving. Well, one cycle around doesn't confirm that that's actionable intelligence. So I learn once in that cycle. I improved my training. I learned what I learned when I applied my theory. I saw improvement from that applied theory. So I, sh- I use all the new data I have to even improve that theory and do another iterative cycle. If I continue to go in that direction, it's actionable intelligence. If we see improvement in those cycles, it's actionable intelligence. If that cycle only you know, looked true the first time around and it doesn't come true the second time around, then it might not be. And I realize that's kind of an obscure answer, but it isn't. You know, if you just start learning, okay, well, it's an iterative science. I'm going to, this I tried, this is the response. I used analytics. I better understand the performing athlete. I implemented improved stimuli. If that leads to improved response, you're onto something that's actionable intelligence.
0: So you say that that's kind of an obscure answer, but it really, as I think about it, it kind of takes me back to middle school. And I feel like you're almost describing the scientific method right? We come up with a hypothesis, we create a test, we go out, we test, we look at the data that we've gathered, we make a new decision, and then keep going on that. Is that kind of what you're describing here?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a process of continual improvement, is it not? That's what you're describing as a science, and that's what it is. We tend to think about it in this data sense as a yes-no decision process. I see a lump of data, and i'm going to decide some action a decision right based off that data and it's yes no and when you begin into yes no think data, you really limit utilization of data as a decision science it's an iterative cycle of ongoing improvement and you have to go through the cycles exactly as you described it a theory lead you know an idea really leads to a theory a theory leads to a test A test leads to a measurement of results the measurement of the result leads to an improved theory then you test again, right? And you just keep going around that cycle. And of course, there's a point of diminishing returns. But that being said, you, significant gains in training and in, therefore athletic performance can be had by playing out those cycles. Some as a coach, you develop, you learn, work well for you across the spectrum of athletes. Some you learn are highly unique or situational to an athlete. You just got to explore both to make it work.
0: And I I think that's a great takeaway is that just to have that process, because, again, going back to the data overload, it's so easy to be overloaded by all that. And so to have that process that you can go back to, ask those questions, and then just keep testing. So... Next, I want to talk about, you used to work for a pretty large coaching company. And when you worked there, part of your duty was to educate and mentor new coaches. So as a coach mentor, what are some of the mistakes that you see new coaches make when they try to adopt data in their coaching?
1: Yeah, I think there's... uh three key mistakes, one of which we already touched on, right? So let's get one out of the way. They get lost in non actionable data, right? They don't make those cycles. And and it's don't get me wrong, it's cool. I can do it. Sit up all night looking at data sometimes just because it's cool or wow, look what this athlete did. A mistake one, and we've all done it to some degree, haven't we? Um, you know, to some degree. But so they make that mistake right off the bat. Because it is you get a lot of data and there's a lot of cool stuff, right? And you get in there like, wow, this is great and this is great. And you think you're on the, the verge of breakthroughs and you kind of spend a lot of time going down rabbit holes. So just, you have to learn to just be patient with data and get into your process cycles, you know, as we just discussed. Two, and probably the most important, and it's really, because I see this mistake made all the time, they don't invest enough time in learning how to use data. The amount of bad information that's out there about coaching with power and coaching with data is astounding because we live in a, a time where somebody can spend 10 minutes reading something on the internet. And then if they just go on and post with enough authority, they seem like an expert and people are willing to listen to them. And I, and that goes for me. You shouldn't listen to me by, I've been doing this for a <laughs> long time, but don't listen to me. If anybody listens to my webinars or educational programs, my first lesson is think, learn, and form your own opinions. So the big mistake I see is they don't invest enough training with data, and particularly as you get more and more advanced with athletes and, and, and more learned in the experience, you have to invest in the knowledge and you have to continually do it. The more you learn, the more you're going to learn. It, it is a very complex kind of education. You need to understand coaching and physiology and data science and all these things. So not only should you invest up front, continue to invest. And the third mistake I see all the time is this idea, and I actually just touched on it, what I call the waterfall analysis. We get locked into yes, no, right? Positive or negative, good or bad. As a matter of fact, it's good or bad, right? That really kills coaches. We look at data and our our mind wants to simplify decisions, particularly data decisions. So we tend to look at a, a field of data and say, this is good or this is bad. And when we do that, we often miss the nuggets that can be found in there right and you want to move away from that that good bad decision-making process and you want to go to the iterative process we were just describing you know I on everything every time i see new data i have a cycle you know the process of how i think about that hey can i utilize this let me design a test i implement that test i measure the results if the results are nonsense I probably give it up, maybe I go a second round, right, just to see if I missed anything. But I try never to look at data, no matter how odd or new or unique it might be, and just say, oh, that's good or that's bad or that's, that's, that's negative or positive. Always do it, you know, approach data and a learning in a more iterative fashion. If you waterfall it, right, and you just push everything down the waterfall, you miss a lot of great information because initially your answer was no or that's bad or it's negative. They don't invest the time, waterfall decisions, and they don't make the actionable data-focused decision early.
0: Now, in order to learn more about using data in their coaching, do you have any resources you would recommend a coach seek out yeah. aside from this podcast?
1: <laughs> well, I, I do. No, you know, I do believe knowledge is power. Right? For me, as a as a as a coach, as a longtime coach, and as the the training PHWKL4 product leader and, and, and architect in that way, I invest a tremendous amount of time in learning. I read science and studies and and stuff. So I don't just believe people online. I go out and research. And that's very, you know, e- easy to access. Knowledge is power as a coach. The more you know, the better of a coach you're going to be, right? So invest in it. Specifically investing, it really depends on what your current knowledge is. So I think there's a variety of sources in Train Peaks University online, right? We have excellent resources. There is a power certification which I think is a really great program. Of course I was part of it, so you know it's easy for me to say, but the reality is I do think it's an you know too many people want to jump over the fundamentals. They don't want to do the basics. They want to go right to the advanced cool stuff, right? The Travert Power Certification is excellent. I have heard from, you know, experienced power coaches that have gone through it time and time again, and they've said, wow, I learned these couple of new points that I just didn't think about. And then it it, it helped them further downstream, right, as they became more advanced. After that, there is uh, an advanced, as you just said, there is an advanced training with power and data coming out here very shortly, uh, which... uh, I spent a lot of time, again, I'm part of it, so easy for me to plug. I spent a lot of time creating that. And then there's, you know, classic books. I mean, Training Racing with a Power Meter by, you know, Hunter Allen and Dr. Andy Cog, and That is a great book, and it's got excellent information in it. Joe Friel's Power Meter Handbook is a great uh, learning book. Those are probably two of my favorites right off the top. And at the end of the day, I spend time learning off the internet. And that means not necessarily reading everybody posting about I'm great at this or here's exactly why you should believe me. But, you know, look into the science, find the science studies, learn with a purpose on the Internet. The Internet is a a dark, dark hole of (laughs) of bad advice, right? You know, always rely on the science, find the science and find science that validates in numerous studies, not just one here and one there. So I think those are the resources for a, a coach that are out there. But again, knowledge is power. Invest in it. It, Coaches don't take the time to invest in that knowledge, and I really encourage them to do so.
0: No, and that's perfect, and we'll add those resources to the um, show notes as well so that coaches can go find those. Now let's um, shift a little bit, and let's say that I'm a coach and I've been using Training Peaks to coach my athletes. I've adopted some of these things you've been talking about. I've developed a process. But now I'm kind of hitting a wall with Training Peaks and I'm ready to take that to the next step. How would a coach make a transition from using Training Peaks to WKO? And what are those, I guess, kind of that learning curve? How can they overcome that to become the best coach possible with WKO as well?
1: Well, your question was great. Perfectly asked because you actually showed your own experience, right? That was great because the reality is for everybody who wants to who's like, I'm? hey, Tim, I'm brand new to power training. I'm going to get wk 4 and start with it. Yeah, that's like jumping in the very deep end of the pool. And let's be realistic. You know, you, you, you have to be able to do the basics and the fundamentals and have some base knowledge if you really want to maximize wk 4 So my first recommendation, it's like a training plan. It's like a periodized training plan, right? So wk 4 is more advanced. You got to start with your base training. And base training is trainingpeaks.com. That's where you get calendars pmcs mean maximal power you get excellent analysis and analysis helps you understand not only what you did or but it also helps you build an understanding of why things happened i i grew my fitness from 50 to 100 and i'm 20 watts stronger at 20 minutes you know what i mean you can make those connections you know that's a you know a simple form of analysis once you get pretty good at that right and that's literally 2 to 6 months Take the time to get that base knowledge and pace. Get your base training in place, right? You've got to wrap a really set good sound foundation. Then when you're ready to go into that build phase and pick up the intensity, then you're ready for WKL-4. If you jump right in, it's going to be too overwhelming because WKL-4 is analytics. Now you're talking about math and models and advanced predictive algorithms and whatever. You get all these fancy terms, right? But what you're really getting, what you really need to understand that WKO4 is giving you is it's giving you the end result of process cycles as we were just going over. So you can look at data and you need to understand that you're shifting from descriptive analysis, which is trainingpeaks.com, into a more predictive or diagnostic analysis. It's going deeper and explaining why things happen to an athlete. You apply to training dose, X amount or X types of workouts. The athlete changed. You can see what changed. And then you have analytics to understand why VO2 max went, VO2 max went up or VO2 max went down. Their anaerobic energy went up, but their threshold uh, power, their aerobic power went down. You begin to understand those complex interactions of the kind of dose response cost benefit of training. Getting prepared for it. Patience. It's a big step. It's much harder to learn going from trainingpeaks.com to WKL4 than it is to get started with power. Only because you're gonna just broaden your data horizon. You just gonna have a lot more data in the scope. As soon as you go to WKL-4, you're drinking from the fire hose for a little while because you're seeing all these different types of points and data that you and I were talking about and you're seeing them crunched into models and, and analytics and stuff like that. If you just go slow, you'll be fine. The number one mistake wk 4 users go is in the first day, they start looking at all this cool stuff, and then they open more cool stuff, and then they invent some other cool stuff, and before you have 500 pages of cool stuff, right? Just go slow, work through what you have, be patient in the learning, and you'll get there. Uh, the rewards are great. You know, to be able to really use analytics as an advanced decision science really can improve your coaching. So it's worth it.
0: And so as a coach takes that on, and like you said, there is, it's going to take some time and they're going to have to kind of start slow and learn about that. But is there any resource that a coach could use as they're going through that process, say with other users or anything, where it can help to speed up that process a bit?
1: Yeah, there's two resources, right? In Training Peaks University, there is a, a getting started with WKL-4, which is really a pretty good introduction and starting point. There's also on the uh, training Peaks YouTube site a list of webinars that are free educational resources. They're a little more advanced. i do the getting started first, <laughs> but then there's a list of webinars that will show you unique ways to use all of these advanced analytics and metrics from how to grow your FTP, how to individualize your training, how to improve your interval workouts, whatever it is. They're an excellent resource, and you can try and find those on the Training Peaks uh, uh, YouTube site. And then finally, and one of the things I think has been the coolest part of WKL-4 is we have a vibrant Facebook group of WKL-4 users where you just see a very positive exchange of ideas and information and questions about analytics and stuff like that. I would definitely, once you get started with WKL-4, explore all three of those do the getting started, uh, online course. Begin to watch the free webinars and join the Facebook group. And then ask your questions in the Facebook group. There's a lot of good, a lot of amazing coaches in there who can really help. And I monitor it. I answer a lot of questions myself. All of us will work together to help you learn there. It's a great community of users.
0: Yeah, I have to say that I'm, a, I'm amazed at how active those users are. And really, I would, I'd have to ask you, like, are you surprised at some of the charts they're coming up with and some of the ideas that have come out of that group?
1: Yeah, you know what's awesome? the group is incredible. And when I got to tell you, Kevin Williams, who is the key programmer behind WKO 4 and the genius behind all the way back from the beginning, all the WKs he wrote cycling peaks originally. Um, I remember he, when he was describing this idea to me over a beer and it was like, you know, Hey Tim, here's how it's going to go. I'm going to build this very robust engine right? And we're going to create some analytics and then we're going to put it out there in the world into the really the best coaches out there. And they're going to do, and they're going to use it like a laboratory on their laptop, on their, their desktop. Right. And they're going to invent really cool stuff that we can't even think of. And I remember kind of patting them on the back saying, sure, Kev, that's exactly how it'll go. <laughs> and then uh, you know, a couple of years later, that's exactly what it is. No, it really is it's an analytics engine. So you as the user can create your own once you get good at it and get comfortable, don't start off creating analytics to understand what you're seeing and, and working within, right? But then you as the user can create whatever analytic you think uh, you might need. And because we have such a mix of professional coaches and high-performance managers for pro teams and, and Olympians and Olympic uh, federations and different groups in there, you really get some super, not, don't get me wrong, they don't share everything. <laughs> there's definitely some secrets. <laughs> right. um, but there's some of the stuff you've seen share, you know, Kevin and, 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 and myself, we'll sit back and be like, wow, that's really cool. We should have thought of that. <laughs> it happens all the time. So it really is something now that's taken on its own momentum that has gotten way beyond us. And that was the design. And that is the power of this type of a analytical engine, You know, the type of analytical engine that WKL4 is.
0: And I have to agree that I've been surprised. And as you mentioned, you can create your own charts. And there's times where it's, I think I have this really great, unique idea. And I can't quite figure out how to build the chart, and I go on to the Facebook group and realize that not only did somebody already come up with the idea, but they found a better way to create it. And then I can just steal their chart and then tailor it to my own needs. Absolutely a great resource. We're almost out of time here, and I just have a couple more questions before I let you go. Going back again to the hockey stick and to the amount of data that we have access to at this point. Where do you see it going in the next next five years, the next 10 years? Where will data take us specifically with endurance sport and coaching?
1: Yeah, right. So the hockey stick is going to continue for a little while. Right now, the industry of data science is really exploding because of wearables. And that's a broad terminology, right, wearables. But we are measuring everything because we're finding ways to stick all type of devices on an athlete clothing and glue, you know, on their bike, on their shoe, on their their belt, you know, whatever it is, and we're getting data and, you know, at an incredibly rapid rate. That's going to continue to expand. The technology will continue to outpace use for a little while. But then always in a cycle, right, eventually the use starts catching up. Technology will reach a point where, you know, a lot of the stuff has been done. So you begin to have sideways innovation. People might improve the way, but they're not coming up with any new ideas. They're kind of just working on improving the existing ideas. Two to three years from now, we're going to see that in the technology side. There's only so many things you can do. So technology will go sideways a little bit for a little while. That will give data use the ability to catch up. And I think what we're going to see is the explosion of analytics. Um, You know, as we start talking about artificial intelligence, AI, and even in some cases, machine learning, that's going to fill the role of all of this technology and then bring it into uh, focus, into a usable data source. Right now in WKL4, one of the focuses we took is we use a lot of what A.I., machine learning with models and math and other machine learning is a bad terminology. Machine learning is, you know, the Terminator and and all that scary stuff. Um, A.I. is better. A.I. is we're programming to utilize the data to learn through the use of models and math and statistics and things like that. Right. But what you're going to see happen, Dave, in my opinion, is analytics is going to compartmentalize so that we better understand the whole athlete. The goal of better understanding the whole athlete is to better individualize their training and individualize and control the adaptation to such training. I think you're going to see those compartments be, and these are my names for them. I think this is, and, and you know, we're working towards some of these things right now as a little teaser. I think you have a, what's coming as a group of data. Imagine all this data, right? And we begin to compartmentalize and group it. You have athlete status data. How fatigued are? How readiness are they? How are they? How is the underlying engine performing or or staying healthy under the training load? Then I think you have training performance data. That's what we have now. What was the power? What was the heart rate? How hard did they go? What's the IF? All the things that we know. I think you're going to begin to really see in the very, very short term improvements in training impact data. You, when you train, you apply stimuli, and what is the impact of that stimuli? Do I understand what the system, the body, is going under? And that strain could be another definition. Do I understand what the body is going under when that, as that impact, that training impact is, uh, is being applied? Next, I think you have a training adaptation data. So if we can improve our understanding and compartmentalize data and analytics of the training impact, we should be able to be predictive then and improve our understanding of the training adaptation. And then finally, I think you're going to come up with training optimization data. And I think that's going to be really where you see the peak of the artificial intelligence. And that's the ability to begin to be prescriptive in data. The others, you know, think about training adaptation and impact. That's predictive data. When you start thinking about training optimization, that's prescriptive, literally giving, using the data to give the coaches insights into, hey, this athlete would benefit if you did this strategy or that type of training or, or implemented maybe even this type of a workout. So I think you will end up with that compartmentalization and software will make all those pieces of data work together that tell the athlete's story actually where I started. So you as the coach will control that story. It still needs the coach reading all that science and making decisions, but you're gonna really use this, this compartmentalized data all working together to give the, the modern coach this new decision science data analytics. They're going to make
0: them a superior coach. That sounds amazing. And as I hear you say it with this, with all this data and with all this artificial intelligence, we're not going to replace the coach. You're still going to need the coach to interpret it and make those decisions, but it's really going to, you anticipate it's going to make the coach's lives easier and perhaps remove some of that bias as well.
1: It will absolutely do that. And that's the fear, right? Are we replacing the coach? You'll never replace the coach in this type of a science. You could maybe use data analytics in some other fields to replace a person, but you have too many variables right now and you'll always have those variables you know with the and environmental of training uh sleep rest recovery sickness right we don't have robust enough data maybe someday we'll have all those variables nailed and then maybe you could have the uh, perfect artificial intelligence but i don't think you're going to see that in the next 10 to 20 years it's too much of a dynamic science physiology training coaching it's too dynamic too many variables to nail it down. You're always going to need the coach, but now you're going to need a knowledgeable coach. They're going to have to know how to use all this data to get maximum performance out of their athlete, or they're going to have a hard time competing with the coaches that do.
0: Well, awesome, Tim. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, I know that I certainly got a lot of nuggets to take out of this between decision science, come up with that process, and then just a continual learning as well. So before um, I let you go, do you have any parting wisdom for the coaches or any words of advice that we didn't touch on throughout this conversation?
1: No, you know, I think it's a good overview. It should open some eyes and get people to looking into this stuff. What I would say is advice is if you are the coach that has resisted the utilization of data in your your, your training, I would reconsider that thinking, right? Because what's going to happen, and here's a key word of advice, I guess, your athletes are using that data, aren't they? So right now, athletes at an incredible rate are investing in power meters and, and and running power meters and bike power meters and wearables and accelerometers, and they're collecting this data. That athlete sits down every day, and they look at their data in all types of formats, right? And if you at the coach aren't versed in walking them through how to use that data, Eventually, they're going to either do it themselves or they're going to replace you with a coach that does because they are using that data every day. So it is time, whether like it or not, you better get data knowledgeable or the marketplace will pass you by.
0: And I can definitely attest to that. I know that we here at Training Piece, as we started putting out more and more content around these metrics, I've seen athletes start to kind of hold their coaches' feet to the fire because the athletes are becoming more knowledgeable than some coaches. So you're absolutely right. I think it's so important that coaches do become educated, even if they don't necessarily want to use it immediately. They need to be able to answer their athletes when they're asking about it. I agree. It's a two-way street. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for your time, Tim. Um, A lot of good information here. I'll put all the resources on the show notes and um, let people know where to follow you and where to find you in the Facebook group as well.
1: Excellent. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Take care. Thanks, Dave.
0: We hope you've enjoyed our talk with Tim Cusick. To find out more about where to follow Tim and the list of the resources he mentioned in this episode, check out the Training Peaks blog. If you're enjoying the Training Peaks Coachcast, please be sure to subscribe and share and let us know what you'd like to learn about by leaving the reviews or tweeting to us at, at Training Peaks. Thanks, and until next time.